Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine working 100 meters beneath the sea, a hostile place where the sun never reaches and the temperatures can plunge to a few degrees above freezing. All of your off hours are spent in a tiny, cramped metal tube breathing a mixture of gases that makes it hard for you to speak and constantly saps heat from your body, giving you a permanent chill. You eat your meals delivered through a tiny hatch and get to sleep for maybe a few hours a day before your next shift. Now, imagine doing this for months at a time without being able to escape your tiny world without facing a certain and gruesome death. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. everybody i'm liz lawson and this is our reluctant historian dakota lawson and we are back baby this is the podcast where i just try to show this is the podcast where i try to show my husband that history is actually cool so if you love history or you absolutely hate it this podcast is for you we would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on treaty six territory and the homeland of the metis nation we make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Okay, so before we do guesses, we are joined today by a gremlin. Hi. Our niece, Rhea, is joining us, and uh, she's going to maybe add some commentary or just hang out with us. Yes, we're uh, we're delighted to have our first guest. Yeah, we've never had a guest. This <laughs> is very exciting. N- no. That's depressing. <laughs> it is. Uh, to be fair, we don't have uh, friends. That's also so true. Also depressing. But yes, that's true. Uh, guess is about today's topic. To yeah. Out. Okay. So I'm. Go- I- First, I was thinking deep blue sea. Uh, you recall? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where uh, uh, Thomas Jane fights sharks, kind of, and then there's the dude from. What's that guy's name? Samuel cool- Jackson. No, no, Cool J or Cool LL Cool, LL cool J. J. He's in it, right? He has the bird. I don't know, actually. Anyways, and then Samuel Jackson gets eaten, or his arm bit off, or both. Yeah. And yeah. then I was thinking, and then you were like, "Oh, even further down and stuff like that." So I was thinking of uh, forty-seven meters under, or whatever it's called. Oh, that movie we watched with the yeah, shark. Yeah, it wasn't great. I liked it. But then you were like talking about their food in in there so i'm like is this like an underwater prison of some sort (laughs) um your your laughing tells me no yep (laughs) but i really this is also isn't this a wicked wednesday it is a wicked wednesday so we need to announce that for the listeners so that they know what i was about to say to get hype okay so hype not high (laughs) unless you you want to that's fine yeah if you want to get a uh, smoke that dank kush while you listen to our sultry voices, that yep. is all right by me. Yep. Anyways, I I would say like some sort of uh, uh, prisoner thing, but apparently that's not the case. No, it's kind of like a prison. So okay. Today's w- 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 Wicked Wednesday. Wicked Wednesday episode is about a horrific and tragic accident that occurred on an oil drilling rig in the North Sea, the oh. Byford 
dolphin incident. The were uh no dolphins were hurt in the no making of this episode. No dolphins were hurt in the making of this episode. Were they hurt in the making of this incident? No, they weren't. That's just the name of the oil rig. Oh, so there's so there's no dolphins. I don't know. I thought so. T- I wondered that too, Ria. That's dumb. There's no dolphins well, that, in this, though? No dolphins. Okay. Well, probably for the best. I feel like they'd get oil on them and then, like, yeah, get a stain or something, you know? Yeah. No, so. they'd probably die. That's true. Oh. So, I wanna, we want to apologize for missing last week. We were ripping out carpet. It was the only weekend that my parents were able to bring their truck up. And so, we had to get it done. And we hadn't planned properly for that. So, here yeah. we are. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I love ripping out carpet. It's not the carpet that I'm used to. Don't. <laughs> no? Okay, okay. I would like to apologize to our uh, listeners in advance that even though uh, my nieces uh, sit here, I, I, you're, you're still going to get the great uh, jokes you come to expect <laughs> and then cancel me. Yep. You're like this all the time. Shut up. Don't, know, don't let them know that I'm terrible around you too. Well... <laughs> I'm only ar- doing this for you, listeners. This is, uh, you know, you're normally not yeah, a horrible this human. Just your no, 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 I'm, I'm just a treat in reality. It's true. Uh, so, what's your golden nugget? Uh, I started watching Euphoria. Oh. Ew. What? What do you mean, you? You? I, I just don't like Euphoria. Have you seen it? No. Oh, okay. I'm like you. If you've seen this show, that's probably inappropriate. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh, we need to start wa- monitoring your HBO use, cause like I've I've seen like uh, Big Mouth and well yeah, but like Euphoria. Oh yeah, someone in my class just it was like just not porn, but like not the same. Well, it's not porn. It's it's HBO, so like, really close. They're they're different somehow, but uh, yeah, just uh, just like it's one of those shows that it's enjoyable to watch all these like horrible things happening. It's just like, I don't know. You have a dark soul. A little bit, but it's like it's like watching you know Breaking Bad or something like mm. that. It just gives you that like, oh, I will never feel this rush. Yeah, but because you'll never be a cool high school teenager. I mean, I was. Yeah. <laughs> See, she oh, even I says was, I was kidding. You were terrible. Shut up. We're not never having a guest again. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I just recommend it. It's uh, lots of drugs, lots of bad stuff happening, and just like, what? what is this life that they're they're going through? So watch Euphoria. It, I think it's on Crave. I mean, that's definitely where I watched. <laughs> I didn't <clears throat> uh, download it. Uh, what's your golden nugget? I don't have one. I don't know. Really? I'm bad girl. I, yeah. Oof. Uh, oof. Do I get a golden nugget? Yeah, Rhea, what's your golden yeah, nugget? Yeah, what's your golden, golden nugget? My golden nugget is... Being here today. Oh, so oh, that's that's so sweet of you. <laughs> it's because I'm gonna get famous, Is not because I love you guys. That's yeah, fair. All all of our listeners are gonna like what for? Uh fifty. Yeah. 50. Okay. Hello, fifty people. Yeah. <laughs> so in that time, did you think of something? I'm starting to play the ghost of Tsushima. It's not me. It's Rhea. My golden nugget is Rhea. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Ghost of Tsushima. What is that? Tell uh, So it is a historical fiction game mm-hmm. um, about the Mongol invasion of Japan. I just started it. Think oh, it'll be fun because I like that type of game. And it's also historically accurate, which is super dope. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it got great reviews and it's a just... From what I saw you playing it, it looks awesome. I'm going to play it, you know, in between yeah. you playing it. So yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so before I get into this topic, I will say that if you are squeamish about gruesome deaths or get claustrophobic or afraid of the deep sea, this episode might be triggering for you. Especially if you're afraid of the deep blue sea. That's the one. So our story takes place on the North Sea on a drilling rig called the Biford Dolphin. It was a semi-submersible column-stabilized drilling rig that was drilled seasonally for various companies in the Danish, Norwegian, and United Kingdom sectors of the North Sea. About the rig... She was the first of class in a highly successful series of rigs, first designed and completed in 1974. I want to ask a question before we... Again, this is one of those things I'm asking for the listeners, not for myself. Yes. What exactly is a rig? I've always wondered that because I always hear like, oh, you know, you should go work on the rigs. And I'm like, is that a machine or are you just working at an oil place? Like, wouldn't the... um... Like, wouldn't the deep blue sea not be blue? It'd be, like, dark black. Yeah, I guess the, the further, right. you, the further it, you go it is down, it would be. pretty much yeah. pitch black down yeah, there. Yeah, totally. Um, I have a picture, so I'll get you to describe it to the listeners in a few seconds Oh, here. okay. The, the audience loves when I describe it. What was uh, the last no. thing I described boobs. to them? I described boobs to them. Yes. Um, I had never seen them before. Boobs? It was It was a first for I me, know. so I was like, what are these things? <laughs> 70s boobs, though. 70s boobs were different, man. Yeah. So the Biford Dolphin was 355 feet long, 221 feet wide, and 120 feet deep. The maximum drilling depth was 20,000 feet, which is, to Whoa. my mind, boggling. That is that is a lot. Yes. And could operate at a water depth of 1,500 feet. Okay. As a drilling rig, Biford Dolphin was equipped with advanced drilling equipment and originally met strict levels of certification under Norwegian law. Though, it should be noted that later, Biford Dolphin was banned from Norwegian waters. She was able to maneuver with her own engines in order to counter the drift and ocean currents that she would face on open water, but for long-distance relocation, she had to be removed by specialist tugboats. So, to be truth... To be truth? Yes. Deep-sea drilling rigs are wild feats of mechanics. Mm -hmm. Like, those dimensions that I said to you, like, that thing floats on water. Really? So, So, uh, that's that's actually crazy. It's like, is it like an engineer's wet dream or something like that? Yeah, (laughs) basically. Yeah. Why are we talking about that? Oh, you're not a regular listener, are you? (laughs) I I... This is what the audience... I do this for the audience because they expect me to talk about wet dreams. Yeah, I just, sure. I we, we got a lot of emails. I specifically say emails because if it was comments, you'd be able to see them. So emails about, Dakota, why don't you talk more about wet dreams? And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a shill. I'll just give the listeners what they want. Like, So... Yeah. Um, so yeah, they get stabilized in the water by columns. I, those legs don't go all the way down to the ocean bed. Um, and then there's a drill that like goes down into it. And okay. uh, they are huge, these uh, Biford dolphin drilling rigs. And so here, I am have a picture of it that okay. you can describe to the listeners. Okay. That thing floats in the waters. That's huge. Wait, so when was, when was this? Uh, 1974 is when it was first built. 70s rigs were different, man. Shut up. <laughs> it actually just worked out. It there. really it was from the did. 70s. It I really did. That, but, uh, okay, so this first description of it is going to be confusing for everyone listening. Okay. But it looks like the base from Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh. Okay. Uh, the next description is going to be a little bit more still confusing. Okay, so it's friggin' huge. Think of like a cell phone tower that's sticking up into the air. and un- Well, of course, that's what they do. And under it is like... 
a, a red giant ooh i got it <laughs> the bottom half of it is kind of like those um in star wars empire strikes back ooh, yeah the uh the big like what if they haven't seen star wars spoiler alerts if they haven't seen star wars then <laughs> but so uh those mechanical things on the battle of hoth i believe mm. that was the frozen planet yeah and you know they have to like trip them up or whatever yeah 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 right so it's kind of like that but longer it's red but it, and it has like one two three four five six seven legs it's like an octopus yeah it, it means eight yeah well, yeah that, that, that's right so if yeah, an octopus if it lost one of its legs on the battle tentacles. of hoth tentacles on the battle of hoth yep and underneath it are the lowly uh peasants there's just houses yes. uh, like buildings and stuff and I think those they, are tugboats uh, really like i don't <laughs> i think that that's in a in the um because those those houses aren't on the open water. I'm pretty no. sure that those are like All, houses on a tugboat. Um, I think that that's like in the in the. Why can't I think of the word? Mexico. No. no. <laughs> oh frick! You know when you come into a dock in the dock. I think those do- those okay. houses are just in the dock. Oh yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but anyways, they look like lowly peons. Mm. According and and then oh and then also. Uh, a, a little bit away from the cell phone tower, uh, there's like a crane sticking out. Yeah. And uh, is that a crane? Yeah, that's a crane. I used to build bins. I'll have you know. I drove <laughs> a uh, I drove a tractor which had a crane attached to it. It was what a whole. What happened? To me? Yes. I changed. Depression. Depression. Depression turned me into what I am now. <laughs> yeah. So. So it, I imagine in your mind's eye, the uh, just quick. The machines on the Battle of Hoth with the cell phone tower sticking out of them. It's pretty good. With the crane. Yeah. So I don't really necessarily know how these things float on water, but they do. That's wild. Yep. It, it looks like it would have been that the legs stick all the way down to the ground, but of course that could be however lo- far down. Yeah. So, that, so they couldn't, but it, it looks like that's what it would be. Yeah. So that's what I thought. So yeah. I Googled it and actually... Uh, the floating rigs have four or more mooring lines tied to anchors that are placed on the sea bottom. Uh, then these mooring lines are kept very taut or okay. tight. I know you taut, hate when I use... Taut like a target? Yeah, and they keep the rig in place. So, science. I thought this was about history. Sorry. This is, Trick this you. Is about, this is history. So, to conduct offshore oil and gas operations, it requires construction and maintenance of equipment at extreme depths often close to the sea floor. For divers that reach this far into the ocean's depths, which, like, I didn't know they could just hang out down on the bottom of the ocean, but apparently they do, they must descend and ascend extremely carefully, taking time to decompress at each small increment in order to avoid decompression sickness, which is also known as the bends. Decompression sickness is one of the greatest challenges of diving. As a diver descends through the depths, the pressure around them increases owing to the weight of the ocean pressing onto their bodies. Gases such as nitrogen are breathed in until the diver's tissues are saturated, meaning that these gases are dissolved within the tissue to the point that they are at the same concentration as their breathing mixture. This changes due to the amounts of pressure being placed on the body, so the divers must adjust as they move up or down. Failure to do so correctly and the consequences can be horrible. 
Decompression sickness occurs when a change of pressure happens too fast, resulting in dissolved nitrogen forming bubbles in their tissue and blood. A potentially life-threatening condition, it can cause excruciating pain, confusion, paralysis, and even death. Once diagnosed, decompression sickness can require long stints in a recompression chamber to readjust based on the severity of the sickness. So, for large oil mining rigs that require almost constant work on the equipment that rests on the seafloor, companies have learned to avoid the long periods of waiting as divers adjust to the new pressures by simply keeping divers under extreme pressure 24-7. Ooh. Yes, they live in little little chambers. Ooh, that is like a prison. This yep. is like deep blue sea it mixed is. with, uh, well, prison, I suppose. <laughs> Otherwise, divers would have to spend far more time decompressing than working. For example, for a dive of more than an hour below 100 meters would require more than 50 hours of decompression. Oh, what? Yeah. And so this, for the oil companies, is just not feasible. They do not want to pay them for that many hours of yeah, work. Yeah, so they would have to stay in a, in a compression... Is it... Sorry, is it a compression chamber? Yeah, recompression. Recompression chamber for 50 hours? Yeah. Do they just... have Xbox in there? No. What about PlayStation? Yeah. Uh, that's the one. They have that one. Okay, oh. yeah. good. I mean... That's So, this solution to stay compressed for forever came by the way of the U.S. Navy in 1957 with a project called the Genesis Project, in which a man named Dr. Bond, literally, oh, I'm <laughs> call me Bond, Dr. Bond, went on to prove that humans could withstand prolonged exposure to different gases and increased environmental pressures. This project paved the way for a process known as saturation diving. Saturation diving is a diving technique that involves staying under pressure for so long that all your bodily tissues become in equilibrium with the inert gases in the breathing mixture, which is generally oxygen and helium. Um, oxygen actually does become toxic below 80 meters. Oh. So that's why they have to mix really? it with helium. Really? Yeah. Um, so they breathe that mixture and then they stay under the same pressure for long periods of time in like this weird little chamber that like lives on top of the rig. Live, lives on top of the rig? Yeah, I was confused too. When I first started studying this, I thought that the, the compression chamber was like at the bottom of the ocean, uh-huh. but it's not. It's on the Biford Dolphin. Sorry, I'm just, um, the, this is the recompression chamber? Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's, uh. What... Oh no, sorry. This is their saturation chamber. They just live in it. That's kept at the same I thought it would, this one was at the bottom of the sea. No. Me too, it's, actually. This is okay. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, the chambers that they live in, yeah. um, so it it can be a recompression chamber because they okay. would bring them back to the right com- right atmosphere yeah. in that chamber, but at the time that they're down there, it's kept at the same level. Okay. And they go up and down. I talk about it a little bit more in the future, but they go up and down in this thing called a diving bell. Okay. And that's also kept at the same exact pressure the entire time. Okay. Which is like science weirdness. And as we learned from Maria, this is not a science podcast. True. This is so a sorry. history podcast. So sorry. Okay. So these divers leave the safety of dry land and enter pressurized living quarters, those chambers I was just telling you about. Mm-hmm. And then after which they they are transferred down into an underwater habitat via a diving bell. Once they are saturated, they will stay under intense pressure and breathe a mixture of oxygen and helium for weeks until their tour of duty is over. And then they can take those 50 hours to return to the surface temperature atmosphere and be decompressed. So, life is exhausting, claustrophobic, and incredibly difficult for these divers. They better be making bank. They make a ton of money. Yeah. Breathing this specialized mixture causes chills throughout their body due to helium, and they also have to wear vocal descramblers because, as we know, helium causes changes to your voice. <laughs> oh, I was just picturing it's like, like they're like a 
a ghost face from Scream or something. Like, <laughs> why do they need to change their voices down there? No, because they wouldn't have... it be funny if they were, they were down there and like, they're like trying to work together and talk together and they're just hey, ha, pass, pass me the screwdriver. <laughs> I've never actually ta- like like I'm really bad at um, breathing in stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I think I just hit, hit puberty uh, again. Again. Uh, so uh, I've never actually ta- inhaled helium, so I don't. Well, I guess I know what we're doing later tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, where do you where do you get helium? I don't know. Like a balloon from like superstore or something. Yeah. Oh, I get <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, we're gonna go have, have to go get a tank and like, <laughs> like where do you find a, t- a a tank of helium at this hour? No, just balloons. Yeah. Yeah. So there is an array of medical complications that can arise from long-term exposure to such harsh depths alongside an almost constant risk of death. A number of strict regulations have been enforced to minimize the risks of these issues, from mandatory diving times to forced time off work. For these reasons, the job of a saturation diver is one of the most dangerous, but also most well-paid jobs that exists today. It is also one of the most specialized jobs, with only 336 people in the U.S. employed in this work in 2015. How? Two questions. How much do they make? I didn't look that up. I mean, you yes. had you had one job. I that know. was it. That was your job. You didn't even have to look up anything about this. You just had to find out how much <laughs> I could make doing this. The other you is never. The other yes. is. Shh, the other is. Do I need to know how to swim? Yes. Fuck. Okay. You can't swim? Shut up. (laughs) So the greatest danger posed to these divers is not the gases that they breathe, nor the prospect of decompression sickness. It is actually the pressure itself, as one wrong move and everything could go wrong. Wow, I repeated myself there. As a group of divers discovered themselves in 1983 in an event known as the Biford Dolphin Incident, which is the story you will hear today. As we know, the Biford rig was capable of drilling at a depth of 460 meters. To allow construction and maintenance of the wellhead, which is the spot where the drill goes in to the ground, at these depths, the rig was equipped with a sophisticated saturation diving system. On November 5th, 1983, the rig was drilling in the sea just west of Norway in a place called the Frigg Gasfield. No way. Four of the crew were inside the diving chamber system on the rig's deck. So again, like I said already, that surprised me. I thought that the pressurized chambers were at the bottom of the ocean, but they're actually on the rig or the ship themselves, Mm -hmm. and they are kept at the same pressure at the bottom as the bottom of the ocean. And then they have a little apparatus called a diving bell that is also kept at the same pressure as the ocean floor that is then winched up and down to and from the chambers. The diving bell has to be able to open underwater, so that's why it's also kept at the same pressure as the bottom of the ocean. It also ensures that the water does not flood up into the bell when the hatch is opened. It's a little difficult to describe what the system looks like, but I like to think of it kind of like in movies where there's spacecraft and they're on like the USS Enterprise or whatever. Um, So things that you'd see in a sci-fi movie where there are pressurized rooms and locks. So for the Biford Dolphin, there are three chambers. Two of them are living chambers, and they are attached by a small hallway. On the right of the two chambers is an escape capsule. The diving bell would hook up to chamber one by the way of a trunk. Then there would be a clamp that would seal off that chamber and the bell. So here's a picture, Dakota. You can try and describe it again to the listeners. We're just, this is what we're doing. (laughs) Oh, okay. Among Us. I was just going to say that. The video video game Among Us. Good job. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so uh, chamber two. Uh, I mean, I don't know what 
okay, chamber two they is like dead. a big, the, the people in it do look dead. They're just stick, stick figures, <laughs> though. It's a big rectangle with a hallway, kind of like a shape that you would, uh, you would play with in uh, middle school. It looks like three triangles put together, kind of. Like one that way, one that way. Well, I, I don't see it, but okay. Then you have the second room, which is uh, split up into two different rooms. One guy on one side, the other on the other side. I'm assuming they're lovers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then um, uh, the escape capsule is a longer rectangle on the other side. And then in the middle of chamber one, which is in, in, in the center, uh, there is uh, it's a, the diving bell. But it looks like this diagram's testicles. <laughs> It's just a it's just a circle coming down. Now most people would say it looks like a beaker that That's you would what find I think. in science, There's but this isn't one. this isn't a science <laughs> podcast as we learned. This is a, a testicle podcast. An a, well, yeah, or an anatomy class, <laughs> you pervert. Okay, so anyways, she just showed me a picture of testicles. That's right. I was confused by the escape capsule. I don't know what that does, but it's there. Well, it doesn't look like there's a door on it. So no. it's kind of like uh, it's a, a, a prank, <laughs> you How know? How would you get a door? Well, there has to be a door for, to escape, unless it's like a pod that you go into. The, what if the, there's a window? To the wall. To the sweat drop down my balls. There's a 12-year-old here. Let's get it together. <laughs> All right. So on this day, November 5, Edwin Coward and Roy Lucas from England were resting in Chamber 2, while divers Bjorn Giever Bergensen and Truls Helvik from Norway were returning from a dive. Outside the chamber were two diving tenders, William Crammond and Martin Saunders, who were there to assist the clamping on of the diving bell to the main trunk. The outside diving tender's job was to ensure that the diving bell would attach to and be secured by a clamp in order to maintain a constant pressure throughout the rig. So remember, if like there's a little hole, right, then there's not the same pressure and they go. Oh, God. The pressure inside the chamber was nine atmospheres and those inside had to be decompressed to the external pressure, which is one atmosphere. So a little bit about clamping on. When the diving bell is returning to the chamber, it's a very precise mechanism. In these situations, the pressure must be carefully balanced to ensure that the diving bell can be safely disconnected from the chamber system without offsetting the pressure. In order for the system to happen safely, tenders, the guys on the outside, are in charge of the procedure and must follow these steps. One, close the diving bell door. That's a good step. (laughs) (laughs) Two, increase pressure in the diving bell to make sure that the seal is tight and that the door is shut. Three, the chamber is closed off from the trunk. Four, the trunk is depressurized to a standard one atmosphere. Five, the clamp is released, freeing the diving bell. So then the inside still stays the nine atmospheres. However, on this day, something went horribly wrong. The diving bell with Bergerson and Helvik had just been winched up after a dive and joined to the trunk. Leaving their wet equipment in the trunk, the two divers climbed through the trunk into chamber one. On this day... Wait, the... wait, wait. Were these the... Were these the lovers? Did they die? Yes, uh, these are the lovers. They're not actually lovers, let me be clear. Yeah, but but did they die, though? Well, you'll see, Rhea. So, yes, the two guys in chamber one. Okay. Yeah, they're not actually lovers, but... You don't know that. Maybe they were, who knows. On this day, the first two steps had been completed when, for some unknown reason, Crammond, one of the tenders outside, opened the clamp that was keeping the trunk sealed before Helvik could close the door to the chamber. The trunk was now open to the environment and the chamber, which had a huge pressure difference. 
This resulted in the explosive decompression of the unsealed chamber system. Air rushed out of the chamber system with enormous force, jamming the interior trunk door and pushing the bell away, striking the two tenders who were outside. All four divers on the- Did they go, oh, my tenders. That's the one. (laughs) All four divers on the inside were exposed to a pressure far too extreme for the human body to withstand, resulting in their immediate and violent deaths. The tenders outside didn't fare much better. Crammond was also killed when the bell struck him and Saunders was severely injured. The deaths of the divers are considered one of the most gruesome deaths in history. However, due to the speed of the incident, it is expected that all divers passed instantly and painlessly. However, the scene left behind by the accident was horrific. The difference in pressure caused three of the divers' blood to flash boil, almost instantaneously killing them. Flash boil? Yes, so the blood inside their veins boiled immediately. What? Yes. Okay, that's... When people say their blood is boiling, that's not what I imagine. (laughs) Very true. That's horrific. Mm -hmm. Like, wait, would they have... Sorry, would they have felt that or would they have just No, they... Well, maybe, but no. Most scientists say no, they didn't feel it. They They just died. (laughs) Maybe for a second or two. Most scientists would say that they didn't feel it. Rio would say that they did, so (laughs) they must have felt it. I watch Grey's Anatomy. I'm a doctor. That's true. The fourth diver had it even worse. The rushing air forced his body through a gap just 24 inches long, launching vital organs and body parts up to 30 feet away. Oh. Like out of his body? Yep. Well, because he went through a little little hole. Like his whole body was pushed. That's so... That's like in a movie where like every organ comes out of like your butthole. Yeah. Or like your mouth. Can you tell she's my niece? (laughs) Talking about organs coming out of your butthole. So so there's, (laughs) so there are pictures online and like I could have gone into way more disgusting details, but I didn't out of respect for the families of this person and you two over here. (laughs) Well, yeah, of course. But like, come on, you could have had me. Uh, describe whatever that was, but you said you had me describe uh, beaker testicles. Beaker testicles. <laughs> yep. So anyways, so his vital organs and body parts were projected 30 feet away through that tiny little hole. They Whoa. actually did find his spinal column up on a Like his just higher. whole spine. Yeah. His spine Whoa. just fell out. Basically. That's crazy. The medical examiners described some of the organs to be so intact that it was as if the organs had been dissected right out of the body. Really? His spinal column and most of the ribs were found lying around the deck. So, like I said, some really horrific pictures and more gruesome descriptions of the body parks exist on the internet. Uh, but I'm not going to share them because I don't think that's super respectful. Yeah, and everything I've said is super respectful, so... Divers 1, 2, and 3 were autopsied, and since these men weren't near the point of pressure release area, their bodies were left intact, although they were dead. The organs, including their brains, were filled with gas... And free fat was found in several unusual places. Huh. So, (laughs) uh, sorry, I'm working a joke up in my head right now. Something about... (laughs) Something about uh, trans fats and how their brains don't have trans fats. They've got free fats? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, clearly it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, That wasn't your best, Dakota. (laughs) So, the autopsy detailed that this gas resembled butter on a frying pan. Oh. Mm. Gross. Yeah. Coward, Lucas, and Bergerson were exposed to the effects of explosive decompression and died where they stood in the chamber. When uh, when they were about to, when this was about to happen, I just pictured one of them going, Coward! (laughs) 
Because that's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Crammond is the one that didn't hook it up properly. Okay, but for my joke, it makes sense that, that Coward did it. Coward! Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, coward? His name was Coward. Yeah. He was a coward. His father was a coward and his father before him. The committee investigating the accident concluded that it was caused by human error on the part of the dive tender who opened the clamp. It is not clear whether the tender who opened the clamp before the trunk was depressurized did so by order of his supervisor, on his own initiative, or because of miscommunication. At the time, the only communication the tender on the outside of the chamber system had was through a bullhorn attached to the wall surface, which I think is stupid. Like, how are you going to communicate with somebody? But What's here that? we go. It's like in front of, like a cheerleader, and they put it in front of their mouth and go, bah! Oh, <laughs> And they had just like rigged it up onto the wall to speak through. Yeah, that seems like uh, they could have thought of something better. It was the 70s. So. It wasn't like the 40s. This no, this 70s? happened in 83. Well, either way, e- even worse for them. <laughs> 83 is like the same thing as 70s right 10 years later yeah so close with heavy noise from the rig and the sea it was hard to listen in on what was going on also fatigue from many hard hours of work took its toll among the divers who often worked 16 hour shifts however the incident has also been attributed to engineering failure the biford dolphin diving system dated back to 1975 and was not equipped with fail-safe hatches outboard pressure gauges and an interlocking mechanism which all would have prevented the trunk from being opened while the system was under pressure in fact prior to the accident the oil rig company had issued a rule for the certification of the diving bell systems that they should be arranged so that they cannot be operated when the trunk was pressurized I'm not sure why it hadn't been implemented in time. However, one month after the accident, it was made a rule. Some former crew members of Biford Dolphin have come forward and claimed that the investigation was a cover-up. They claimed that the commission investigating the accident did not mention in their report the irresponsible dispensations on vital equipment that had been requested. They also alleged that the accident was due to a lack of proper equipment, including those clamping mechanisms equipped with fail-safes. The North Sea Divers Alliance, formed by early North Sea divers and the relatives of those killed, continued to press for further investigation, and in February 2008, they obtained a report that indicated that the real cause of the accident was faulty equipment, absolving Crammond. Claire Lucas, the daughter of Roy Lucas, said, I would go so far as to say that the Norwegian government murdered my father because they knew that they were diving with an unsafe decompression chamber. The families of the divers eventually received compensation for the damages from the Norwegian government 26 years after the incident. So Dakota and Rhea, what do you think? Rhea, you start us off. What do you think? Um, And you get to be brutally honest. Well, first of all, I want to ask, did the investigation like come to an end? Yeah, it did. So 2008. Oh yeah, you just said that. How do you? choose subjects this is a random question sure yeah um so i look on tiktoks i look at instagram pages i get um so they're not your ideas that's what you're saying so sometimes i look at things that i'm interested in yeah it's inspiration okay yeah um so i thought that uh leading up to it the incident um for a was sh- boring shorter episode yeah I, you you know how i work i thought the beginning part was kind of boring even though you gave me the, those diagrams to just to describe i was trying to engage you yeah yeah i was still um bored no no uh, not not bored by that i was still having a hard time following how everything yeah. worked because i could look at those pictures but i don't know exactly what uh, you know everything on it means yeah so truthfully truthfully yeah. i'll i'll get real with you here listeners sure um 
I really wanted to do this episode because I've seen it covered on a couple TikToks. Okay. And it's actually very interesting. But I think it, it it's better told on like a three minute sort of story yeah, be, rather than well, a... that, that's interesting that you say that because the actual meat of, of it was just that short yeah. little bit so uh, yeah i i, I think... and i also truthfully still do not understand how a oil rig drig, drill works yeah or a saturation diving system and i mm. did so much research on this stupid episode yeah. that i was like I should get this. I should understand yeah, how it works. Totally. I had to re- watch so many different videos and I don't really? usually have to watch a lot of videos yeah. to understand it. But I think because it's not like history, it's like mm-hmm. mechanics. Maybe Kaylee would understand Maybe better. She, yeah. Wait, you had a question? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so the thing that the guy like got swooped into the little hole and yep. his organs came out of his butthole, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> was that underwater or was that like in the air? No, that was on the dr- on the on the drilling rig. So, so air. So on the air, yeah. So like one actually part of his organs was like ten feet above where the incident actually happened on like a different level of the rig. Yeah. So you could just be in the sky and you just see like a falling bladder. Yep. Oh, <laughs> that's lovely. It just starts <laughs> the bladder comes up, <laughs> comes flying through the air. It's Someone's like a standing there. Yeah, yeah, it is oh actually. Stand, you're standand there, and <laughs> all of a sudden get pissed off. You too. <laughs> so okay, so for my rating, because because the the part you know how I work, I, I love do. the dis- the destruction of these humans. It oh. was great. You're so, terrible. I know. So my rating, I give this a six point six. Beaker testicles out of 10. <laughs> Love that. You know what? I think that's well-deserved. I This one and last week's episode, I just have not felt on my game. I don't know what's going well, yeah, on. Yeah, you weren't you on, you you weren't on your last game. Week. Yeah. You... Oh, no, the week. No, no. <laughs> the episode that we did before. What was the episode we did before? The... Well, should know these oh, that... the endurance, the ship. I just, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe I you just gotta need... start, start, stay away from water. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I need to stay away from ships or something. Like, yeah. just get that, get out of here. So, yeah. So, I would Sorry, say listeners. These are, um you know not not the best wicked wednesday but Sorry, there were guys. enjoyable parts yes you we still love his you his organs Thank you. came out of his butthole <laughs> that's not wicked. i'm not laughing no it is wicked but it's not like wicked well no it is wicked it is wicked okay <laughs> Take us out, dear. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast, or leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash thehistorian. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to The Reluctant Historian at gmail.com and i'd also like to say thank you to our special guest ria yes yeah, thank you gremlin so special that's yes. true so we'll see you next week same time same place in the script it says dakota's one-liner of the week say stay sexy san francisco <laughs> <laughs> so stay sexy san francisco if you're listening <laughs>